I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is a public service announcement for Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Jan Mitchell calling in to encourage you to join the Dumpty Dum Patreon team. For a small donation of $2 a show, you will get access to extra content like Royfield's fabulous interviews. Anya, who plays Alexi, of course, and Headley, who plays the mysteriously missing Kathy. Those interviews really enriched my enjoyment of the archers. And I'm really looking forward to the next one with Becky Wright, who played Nick Grundy. Please consider supporting our wonderful Dumpty Dum creative team. You won't be disappointed. Oh, and by the way, no one asked me to do this. This is all on me. Bye, everybody. I tell you what, Lucy, before we get get on with the rest of the show, I need to update that trailer, don't I? Because we, we moved on from Becky Wright. It's uh, this month, it's Annabelle Dowler who plays Kirsty, everybody. But anyway, uh, back on uh, with the show. Hi, Dunty Dunn. Catherine from Strawberry Hill. I've got a teenager revising for exams. She asked this morning if I could bring her to the gym. We want to support this exercise while revision is going on. So I've got precisely 30 seconds, having done my workout, to record a Dunty Dunn before she comes out. If she hears me doing this, it will only confirm what she suspects that her mother is completely mad. So here goes. Dumpty 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 This week's Dumpty Dum is brought to you by the kind donation of Sally D, who would like to make you aware of the good work of the Samaritans. The Samaritans is a charity aimed at providing emotional support to anyone in emotional distress, struggling to cope or at risk of suicide throughout the United Kingdom. Pay them a visit at www.samaritans.org. This is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality docu drama that centered Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the emotional moment that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the inopportune phone call from your mother that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Lexi getting up the clangor, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum is from Catherine Chevalier. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was lots of, lots of fun. I like the way she sped up when she was worried that her daughter was going to come back. (laughs) Time was of the essence, wasn't it? Yes, yes. absolutely. (laughs) But, Luce, if somebody would like to do a Catherine and send us in a dum-de-dum, how can they do that? 
If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction or find yourself suddenly at close quarters with an abandoned vet in his boxer shorts, then call us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thank you to Cardsmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dobbs. Uh, Shambridge for her voices, Isabel McCurdy for helping Royfield, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and to Derek for loaning the back bedroom. Derek has been out and about helping at Brookfield. He heard that David was spraying Marnie's, so he joined in, but Marnie got really fed up with it. Hey, I don't understand that. You'll have to explain that one to me completely. <laughs> Not now. Not now. Oh, all right. Um, maybe off mic later? Yes, okay. Cool. On this week's episode, here views from Catherine. We're going to get two bites of Catherine with a spoon. We've got Nigel. Hey, you know what? I think Nigel is one of our most fascinating caller inners, I tell you, because he doesn't talk like a vicar would talk. It's, a, it's like, where's it? No. He's kind of confessional. I'm loving you, Nigel. Anyway, fly spirit <laughs> and glint. But first, before all of that, it's our lovely Luce. It's Lucy V. Freeman's week in Ambridge. This week in Ambridge was brought to you by spirits, both spiritual and alcoholic. In between the whole of Grange Farm being convinced they were being haunted by the spirit of Nick, threatening to back over them in a mystical Ford Focus, from little Poppy to people who were quite (laughs) frankly old enough to know better, we had the whole of the village forcing drink on each other. Everyone turned into Mrs Doyle, but with booze instead of tea. Ah, go on. You will, ah, go on. If you don't believe me, I shall explain. Every man in the village panicked when he saw Alistair coming and did the only thing he could think of, which was offer to buy him a pint. Sorry, your Mm. wife's turned out to be a bit of a, oh, you're still working next to her, but she won't talk to you. Well, it was mutual though, wasn't it? It wasn't. You never saw it coming. Pint? Alistair's now got raging alcoholism to complement his gambling habit. Mind you, he is currently (laughs) living in his father's piano, which is fine as long as Jimus leaves the soft pedal down. Jimus has turned into Jeremy Kyle, urging Alistair to think of yourself, son. She ain't never been good enough for you. To his credit, Alistair did finally confront Shuler and say, at what point did you find me loathsome? Was it when I bought you a Dyson for your 50th birthday? Was it because I bit my nails in bed? Was it because I bit my toenails in bed? Was it when I started saying me thinks or practicing artificial insemination on you with an eyedropper and some natural yogurt? (laughs) I don't know, said Shuler. Can't answer that. I just think you're just a massive pile of stinking. Oh, hello, Daniel. Daniel seemed jolly upset, but never mind. You get two bedrooms now at your mummy's and your daddy's. You can decorate them however you like. You have two Christmases, a shed load of Easter eggs, and they'll both take you to the trampoline park for your birthday. And every Sunday, Daddy Alistair will take you to the zoo in the rain and you can plod around together while he tries to bribe you with calippos to tell you about mummy's new boyfriend. Oh, God, I've made myself upset now. (laughs) Tom tried to buy Jazza a pint in recompense for abandoning him to deal with all the pigs himself. Tom is the literal manifestation of the old management adage about treating your employees like mushrooms, keep them in the dark and shovel shit on them. I'm still in charge. I'm management. Leave all decisions to me. What do you mean leaving? Only a bridge farm archer being challenged by one of the lower orders could summon up that level of incredulity. Brian, who is slowly becoming psychotic and increasingly obsessed with his mute child, who he's practically ignored since he passed him to Jenny, wrapped up in an old Tattersall check shirt and said, look after that for a moment, will you? Tried to press alcohol, <laughs> who has already made it clear that she was trying to give it up. Oh, you're fine, said Brian. 
We've all accidentally turned up late to a funeral, got pissed and accused the family of the deceased of failing to prevent her death. All of us. And we've all climbed trees and fallen out of <laughs> Old students tried to drive home after a bottle and a half of Jacob's Creek, spiked a pregnant woman to drink. Oh, come on, of course we have. Pat decided to coax Olwyn and her amazing performing cough out of the backseat of her Renault Flem and into Bridge Farm. She's not the jolliest of house guests, what with the anti-capitalism and the TB, but it did give Helen an opportunity to remind us all of what a sanctimonious, precious little prig she can be. So it wasn't all bad. <laughs> Neil, who is now a manager, in case you hadn't heard, sat in the bull buying drinks and sounded gently pissed. Some of Neil's dialogue now is entirely non-verbal, even when he's not in the bull, which is rather pleasing. He's a bit like the human characters in Shaun the Sheep. Huh? Ah. He made a shortlist of all the people to interview for the pig job. Twelve of them. I thought a shortlist was three people. Bless him, I bet he's got people on that list on the strength of their scout badges. Interviewing people is like looking at new houses. By the time by the time you've got to the fourth, you've forgotten which one was which and you just take anyone to make the whole thing stop. I got a bit confused when Ellis turned up at Lower Loxley to try and persuade Freddie to sell more drugs. I misheard and thought it was Alice reeling up the drive, waving a bottle about and demanding that everyone snorted Lemsip with her. Does everyone at college think I'm an idiot, Lily? No, Freddie, they think you're a pillock. <laughs> Have you gone? <laughs> oh no, I can hear footsteps walking across the floor. Um, the only people more obsessed with making a small deposit than Emma Grundy, as we know, is Adam and Ian, who became a little overwhelmed at finding themselves staring down the business end of a woman. It doesn't matter whose jeans it has, said Adam, <laughs> as long as they're boot cut with a tapered waist. And in a cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers, Harrisman was going to propose and then turned out he'd just taken a leaf out of Piggy's book, got bored and made a new will. But it did give poor Emma her moment in the spotlight to explain life to Fallon. Well, that's how we should be, she said. First of all, you fall in love. Then you fall in love with his brother. Then you get married to one of the brothers. It doesn't matter which one. Then you have a baby and you're not sure whose baby it is. Then you dump one of the brothers, marry the other one and move in with his mother. I can't see the problem with that, Fallon. Did I tell you I was saving up for a deposit? The end. <laughs> well done, you. That's a triumph this week. I actually really enjoyed it this week. Well done. It's good. Come thumbs on, up to you. Thank Thumbs <laughs> up to you. Now, I, w- I was in the pub yesterday. Yes. All right. Having a, no, having you were in a America. Pub. You were in a bar. You know what? To be fair, yes, I was in a bar. Yes. And uh, so, and I'm, I was forced uh, when when going to this bar for the first time. I was forced to make friends with the other Englishman that goes to this bar. But now we have actually become proper friends. Okay. So, whenever I walk into the bar, he says to me, "Bloody hell, the archers." <laughs> it's just it's the first thing he says other than what the drink is. And he goes, bloody hell, the archer. Right. He said to me, I can't stand that, Olwyn. And I went, you know that's Amanda Stedman, don't you? And he went, what? Alison Stedman. And that's what I meant. It's not what I said, it's what I, what I meant. It's Alison Stedman. He went, what? But she can't act. I went, I beg your pardon. Right. We nearly had a stand-up fight. In but I'm not saying I like the character, I'm not saying that I like her at all. But he says it can't be, and he says because that person can't act, and I says she can, and he he nearly didn't buy me my pint. That's all I'm saying. So there were literally fisticuffs in the bar over over the archers. I says, you know what, dude, we we can't talk, like and like it was, it was loose. It was a proper thing, a proper thing yesterday. Just saying. <laughs> other than that. Um, 
obviously this always is going to be a <laughs> right little troublemaker, isn't she? You are the Fraser Crane of your area, aren't you? Everyone else is <laughs> fighting about Trump and American football and you're fighting over whether or not Alison Steadman can act. <laughs> well, look, she so obviously can. It's like beyond yeah. doubt. Yes, you know. yeah. Mm. Maybe anyway. he just doesn't find her convincing as that character. Who knows? Yeah, he, he, he said he didn't like her. She's great. Yeah, he said he didn't like her cough. He said, and that's how oh, come on now. But anyway, I got a couple of pints out of it in the end, uh, and we agreed to disagree. <laughs> 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 what did you think about Helen saying she shouldn't be here because of the boys? I had no idea what that was all about. I really just didn't understand it. I, I, you know, Helen is supposed to be a bleeding heart. And so you'd think, well, she would be up for her mother taking in an old friend, an old acquaintance and yeah. giving them. And it's um, not her house. I, I, I just didn't, I just didn't get it. And, and I said to myself, I'm, I'm obviously not quite listening to the nuance in this and that I've missed something. So what the, Henry had met her the week before and liked her. I, I, I seriously just didn't understand it. And actually, I was going to say to you, what was that all about? Well, the only thing I could think was that it's Helen's control freakery and anxiety extends to health things, doesn't it? She's very, very hot on health and stuff. And there's this woman spraying bacteria left, right, and center. So um, maybe she was worried from that point of view. Um, but it, it, it was just staggering the kind of the lack of. Uh, it didn't cross her mind that it wasn't her house and that it wasn't up to her who her parents had in it. Hmm. The only thing that I could kind of maybe think is that she's very um, sensitive, paranoid, whatever the word is, about people who aren't family being around the kids because of Rob. Yeah. You know, that's the only thing that made any form of sense. But dare I say, if it was a guy, I would have much more understood it. But this was, yeah. you know, a, yeah. a middle-aged to slightly elderly woman. So yeah. she lacks. I mean, admittedly but, quite unpleasant, but, you know, she was... Yeah. Yeah. She's mm. just such a strange woman, Helen. She really is. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you another thing I, I had no little and no time for this week. The insemination of, of Lexi. Yeah. <laughs> Which the when he says, you know... <laughs> and he says, you know, there's men looking at the business end of a woman. Normally that kind of thing does interest me, but I was like, <laughs> but, but no, it just didn't. I was like, oh God, listen, I, I, I'm still struggling with the whole premise of the storyline. Don't, don't no, believe that screens. it happened. Yes, I know. In, in, in such a, a small, uh, small But I have a funny like feeling that. that soon we will be meeting Violetta and Mama and the other one whose name I can't remember. Um, because they're becoming more and more of a presence, aren't they? Mm. Oh, Mama says that um, I mustn't do this and I mustn't do that. And Violetta is really missing me and I am missing her. And I thought, oh, Jesus, here we go. They're booking the EasyJet flight as we speak. They're going to be here any second. Whenever we get a bunch of foreigners into uh, into Ambridge, isn't Linda always tasked with giving them a, a walk around the village? Yes. It's also to be Linda Snell's job, isn't it? And to explain <laughs> the cultural differences. Village ambassador. Yes. Mm. Ah. Also, another thing mm. that didn't make any sense to me mm. was the home farm situazione. Mm. Yes. I mean, 
when you, this is an entire business that is being handed from one person to another person. Mm. You have to have some sort of handover. I mean, I know for the purposes of the storyline, Brian's in a massive sulk and won't, but you can't have people looking for documents and not knowing where they are and expect the company still to perform. You just can't. It's ludicrous. I mean, you know, the rest of the family partnership would say, and Brian, we would expect a three-month handover in which you gradually start. You know, it, it's not overnight that you pass the, 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 the reins to the next, to your successor. You just can't do that. It, it's impossible, even if the person is being a massive dick about it, you still just can't do it because it doesn't work. The business would have collapsed by now. Mm. Well, Adam couldn't do something as fu- uh, fundamental as to pay some bill because he couldn't find the paperwork or something. Yeah. Or another. There was something which is pretty fundamental to the running of the company. Yeah. It wasn't as if he was trying to find some insurance policy, which you know yeah. you can just get the details for type of thing. Yeah. So I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And as angry as Brian is, he doesn't want the business to go under unless Brian actually thinks it is going to go under because he knows, because he keeps on saying, doesn't he? We, we as the listeners know that he doesn't think that the insurance are going to pay out on this. You know, yeah. so you have the conversation with Alice and I says, but of course the insurers are going to pay out, Dad. And he goes, hmm, well, hmm, ha, hmm. You yeah. know, and he's had that hmm, ha conversation with Ruth and he's had it with um, Jenny and that's just off the top of my head. So, but, it, you know, it makes no No, he can't be thinking that it's all going to go down the swanee because he's making his plans for Rura Rurari, isn't he? Yeah, oh, so God, that- my son, yeah. Ruri, 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 bloody hell! It, you know, walking him round. The, if, I mean, if the, if that kid is not is not queued up, is not being queued up for a one day, all this will be yours, my son. Speech. I don't know who is. I just wish they'd let him say something. I'd love to know what he sounds like. You know, just out of interest. <laughs> well, I did think it was peculiar that we heard from Jake this week talking yes. about silence becoming yeah. vocal. Yeah. That kind of came out of nowhere because I thought Jake was going to be a, a nothing character, but now they've made him into maybe something. If, yeah, but maybe if they'd introduced Jake and Ruaru Aria the same week, we'd have spent the whole time going, which one was that? What? What's happening? What's he doing at home? <laughs> well, <laughs> Unless they've given Ruaru Aria some ridiculous Irish accent, which would be daft. So please, God, tell us you've not done that. Oh, but don't you remember when Ruaru Aria first came into it, he had the, that Irish accent and then he, yeah. he, and he had it for too long, didn't he? Because he went off to... Um, to boarding school then he would come back and talk for a, a tiny bit and he still yes. sounded like you know somebody from yeah. Galway a tinker from Galway yeah. you know some yeah you know, some five years after he'd come onto the show so um when can we talk about Alistair so you just tell me when and I'll just like just play along with you but when we come on to the Alistair stuff then I'll be properly engaged so do you want to um, well, let's, do it, let's do it now let's do it now then Oh, okay. Well, you've just, remember, you hang on a minute. You've just remembered, you've just reminded me talking about little kids with Irish accents. Uh, mm-hmm. My son, William, uh, my son, William, had um, a little uh, Irish friend called Milo, who, when he came back after the summer holidays, always used to have, would have had a very, very, beca- sort of re- regrew his Irish accent and then lost it again <laughs> over the term and then yeah. would come back sounding broad as anything. And um, 
one day they were all sitting around at nursery having their, you know, they all stop and have a little glass of milk and a banana or something. And uh, they're mm. all sitting there having a snack. And it was just after they'd come back from a holiday. And um, Milo leant forward, looked down the table, made eye contact with the kid at the end and said, my daddy says you're an Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> But fortunately, none of the other kids understood what he'd said because he still had this accent. And it was fun. Everyone just looked a bit blank, and the teachers hurriedly changed the subject to something else. But it was just the way he said it so conversationally. My daddy says. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. I now I know we kind of like brushed over the Brian stuff. At, at home farm mm-hmm. but i do and i did say this a couple of weeks ago i do love uh fundamentally the portrayal of the petard over at home farm mm. L- less so about the actual instrument for the petard which is the uh contaminated water and mm. you know the, the barrels forget that i i, I love the politics what, mm-hmm. what are happening over there and the very human stakes of brian um on the one hand to everybody yes you know i've been put out you know i've been put out to pass you know both times the, the, the new generation coming not all kind of bluster and his anger confusion <gasps> yes the best line of the week mm. the best line was when brian mm. said i bet you're pleased with yourself aren't you and she said, sorry. And he said, the lambs. And she was like, oh, yeah. Brilliant. The venom, he got into that. And then completely changed gear. Oh, I meant the lambs. That was brilliant. It, that's what I'm talking about, Lucy. It's just brilliantly written, acted and directed and directed for, the, you know, for that director to pull off that, off, off, this, off, this, off the page and then say to the actress, you know, deliver it like this. It's absolutely brilliant and very, very, very human and believable. But you know, Charles Collingwood bad. has played Brian for so long now that he is Brian. I mean, he, he's got a, I bet he could have written some of that dialogue himself because he could have just imagined, he knows absolutely what Brian is going through doesn't he he's because he's been he's inhabited him for so 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 many years absolutely but he's you still need good foils to play yeah yeah. you know and and ruth played it really well with her little kind of little bit of panic jennifer's saying oh we don't need to go round to brookfield no no i'm going round right (laughs) because brian wanted to have a little bit of a a bit of argy bargy with ruth and stuff so and also he just doesn't want to be told what to do by jenny does he no, at the absolutely. moment, if she, if she says, "Would you like a cup of tea?" You'd say, "Shove it up your ass," because everything, <laughs> everything that she says, that maybe, no, no, no. Uh, uh, absolutely. So all this is just brilliant, and but. no, there, there isn't a but. And I'm, I'm just saying, no, there, there's not a but. And I'm saying, and I think we're being served up with a very well-written, well-executed, fleshed-out um, scenario whereby two people, what one person has fallen out of love with another and the utter confusion that that has created in the partner who realises that they're not loved anymore. Yeah. And then it, the ripples of that go out into the village because... And, and I had to think about this 
And, you know, I don't mind saying it now because I'm completely and utterly through it. But, you know, and the listeners yeah. won't know, but literally since we started doing Dum Dum, I've been uh, separated and, and now divorced. And it's been yeah. literally, it's, it's run concurrently through the, through the whole thing. And you can't... And you, you were Alistair. You were in... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was completely not the Alistair. I was just like, literally one day hit over the head yeah. and go, all right, I don't think I love you anymore. I was like, what? Yeah. And, and it's... And the whole... Th- and, and, I, and you, you absolutely get... I, I connect with Alistair fundamentally on, on two levels. Anyone can fall out in love with anybody, but I still don't quite understand. But this is common. So I think this is genius that the writers have put this in, in that in the falling out with somebody that you don't expressly vocalise that, Mm. that you don't say, this is the way that I feel today. This is not Mm. good. Let's try and fix it. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Shula can feel whatever she feels. But if when you walk into a marriage, you don't walk into it saying, well, mm, uh, let's get married, mm, whatever. You set in, you you have certain rules, you have certain uh, rituals, you talk to each other, you communicate, you communicate about about your big day, you're going to move into a certain house, et cetera, et cetera. You communicate about all those kind of practical things. And, And what I've become what I've kind of realized is that there are many people in there are many people of which um bec- and I'm going to say liberals of which I am one so left of center liberals and middle class people of which I'm kind of one of those two and they don't want to assign blame mm-hmm. to anything and anyone mm. so hence you have Shuler saying this is just the way that I feel and it makes no sense, take Alistair out of it, but it makes no sense to people in the village because they're like, well, if this hasn't worked, something has gone wrong and it's something mm. which is tangible of which you should be mm. able to put your finger on because you're making yeah. a big decision. <clears throat> and can't, forward slash, won't do it. And I thought the line with Jim was really kind of quite instructive when Jim was saying, well, is she saying that, you know, it, this is a mutual mm. decision mm. Because she's trying to angle for the divorce. I don't think that is the case at all. I no. don't think Shula is that manipulative. She's not. But she doesn't want to, in in her terms, make things worse. And she doesn't want to assign blame. And we live in a culture where we don't want to blame people for things that have kind of gone wrong. But I, but I And there is poor Alice just saying, but wait on a minute. At what point just did you stop loving me? Just tell me. You know, yeah. and the man is in utter kind of agony. Yeah. And I'm jumping forward now slightly. And this kind of probably says much more about, well, not that it says more about me, but I connected with it. And I, and I had to literally stand up and applaud when this, when this happened. So this was Sunday's episode. So this is just yesterday's, which I know we're not covering. So the situation where Daniel has now come home and he's trying to make sense yeah. out, out, out of this. And he says to his mom, or at least what he takes from what Shula says, you know, she says something like, I've given you the best dad that I could or something like that. I forget exactly what the word was. And he says, so you only married him to give me a father. And if you are a father in a situation where a marriage breaks down and the child is not biologically yours, mm. you, you do question because yeah. you don't get those hard and fast answers to questions, you're saying, well, was I just convenient? 
Mm. Was this just to construct some kind of nuclear family? Uh, and we know that Shula, and she said it, and she said it to, to Daniel, never got over the death of his father. Yeah. Was still yeah. in love with him, and he walked out, didn't he? Walked out, yeah. says, "I'm, I'm going to my dad." And I just thought, bloody hell, this is something which you know I've watched Corey incessantly. I don't anymore. I used to watch EastEnders, and I've never seen the breakup of a marriage played that way. Mm. In that you felt and you understood, uh, and you had the sympathies for the father of the non-biological child mm. because Alice is devoted to Daniel and there's no question you know yeah. he was there and he sees him as his son but he, yeah. now he questions everything was he just yeah. here is just somebody who can just just be your dad and I kind of like them and and then and, he just and they'll do Mr. And they'll right do. Now rather than Mr. Right you yeah. know and dare I say I kind of have had similar thoughts too you know, and and I, and I just think, considering that this whole thing is played, and understandably so, where the female characters are, for the most part, not all all of them, are better developed. They have a, they have a, a, a another level of depth in the way that the male characters generally don't. This this was nice. This was nice as. Uh, to show um, fatherhood and adopted fatherhood and the ramifications of how you can worry about everything which has gone before if your mm. marriage has ended in, in a way which you feel has been um, unsatisfactory because you haven't got the answers. Marriages can yeah. end, you know, people yeah. fall out, but it's just tell me why yeah. you know yeah. everything you know was i just a convenient yeah. standing down but i just thought it was brilliant absolutely brilliant so i'm loving all the alistair stuff and uh i think i'm spent now loose emotionally spent i do think jim jimus was right in that she's trying to save her position in in the video i think oh absolutely I, I don't think she's doing it out of malice i mean i know we we, we laugh about how much everyone detests Shula, but i don't think she's doing it out of malice particularly it's just she's an incredibly conventional person and this is one of this is, but the only thing she's not unconventional in is her love life, and um, uh, um, I think there's. But when you, this, the thread I could hear running through all of Jill's comments were, "How will this look to the rest of the village?" There's no reason for this. How will this look for the rest of the village? You've made these vows before God in this church. How will this look to the rest of the village? And I think that's. I think. She's she's copying her mother. She's looking at it from the same point of view. And I think some people are capable of very of doing very bold moves, but actually not owning them at all. Just sort of doing it as if it was um I think unfortunately yeah, just just not not owning it and sort of keep being very keen to sort of share the responsibility for bad things around rather than going yep sorry that was me absolutely hands up I did that and mm. um she, that's what she finds incredibly difficult to do because it is a brave thing because she's doing what very few women do which is very few people do which is saying I am not happy and I'm putting myself first and I am going to be actively selfish and you know it's going to hurt people 
and I'm sorry about that, but that this is what but, I've chosen know, to I, do. But you're slightly wrong there because there was a line, <laughs> and I, I scribbled it down somewhere on my, my bit of paper that can't quite find it, where I think she she bumps into Clary in yeah. the bit. And Clary says, are these rumours true? And she goes, yeah. yeah. But she's quite blithe with her answer. She says, oh, you know, we'll get over it. Yeah. And it was something about it's mutual and, yeah. you know, it'll be fine, we'll get over it. So she hasn't quite come to terms with uh, people's reactions and and actually watch what she's done. She hasn't. Or at least all all she has is she's putting on some incredibly brave face. But no, she just doesn't to, want to take she doesn't want to take responsibility for the fact that it was so that's that that's actually what I meant. That's actually what I meant. And thank you for for pulling me up on that. But the other thing that I would say is that considering that Shula's faith is supposed to be so important to her I'm surprised that she hasn't had the whole go go to Alan and uh, and, and yeah. pour her heart out because he's obviously bottling um, a whole load of things up, and and, the, and then there was also something um, there was something which he also said to to Daniel about freedom and enjoying your life. No, it was that- to um, uh, Freddie and Lily. She said, oh, you'll never be as free yes. as you are now. Yes, yes, when he's going on and talking yeah. about his gap, year, his gap year. All of it, I just I find absolutely brilliant. And I know that I have, for very personal reasons, I have an emotional attachment to the predicament of Alistair. But you know what? He's a boring ass, And, you know, buying a woman a hoover for, for a birthday and stuff. Did, did he have this coming to him? I would say no, in terms of, just having not having an explanation uh he was complacent uh, uh, that's the best you can say he was complacent in the marriage and he was complacent for years so but but i do completely have an attachment an affinity to the predicament he finds himself with not having any answers but i've got to say even she's been well written even though i don't like the way that she's gone about doing this but I just think it's just brilliant writing, Lucy. And I think the two things, home farm and then the breakdown of this marriage, I just think we just serve, we've been served up with just brilliant, genius, delicious writing. I just think yeah. both two things yeah. are great. And then I just contrast that with the insemination of our Lexi. And, and, I was, and, <laughs> and I'm left cold. I'm left absolutely <laughs> cold. Oh, and just whilst we were at it as well, and really, we've done a whole load of talking. We should go go on to the calls. Um, it's been not at all as fleshed out as the other the other storylines, but the Harrison and um, Fallon Will thing. Yeah, I, I did quite like the little switcheroo at, at the end, and um, yeah, I thought that that was nice. And then his the, little voice, which said, "I can't marry you," and he said, "I wasn't asking you." <laughs> But I know how you feel now. Yes. Yeah, you know that. sounded so lost then, didn't he? Mm, Yeah. Bless him. Poor little Harrison. Yeah. Exactly. Poor little dim Harrison. (laughs) But hey, um, should we uh, stop talking and go on to the phone lines now? Okay, here we go. Hello, Ambridge3962. Who do you want first then, Freeman? Um, you choose. You've got the buttons. All right, then. 
Uh, let's have a little bit of Bly spirit. Hello, Dumpty Dum Bly spirit calling. Well, I'd like to say that I really, really tried to get through the week in Ambridge. Um, and I'm not going to say that I failed, actually. But I did get as far as Tuesday and I literally couldn't handle the levels of negativity entering my noggin anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Really, this is supposed to be an everyday story of country folk, not an everyday story of bloody miserable country folk. And a few of us have noted on the Twitters that it is becoming rather difficult to deal with. Um, I think there needs to be some rebalancing here. Emma, for example, has she's in line for a Martyr of the Year award of the highest order, and no doubt she is actually going to win it. And the thing is that there are quite practical solutions to her problem, um, which are blindingly obvious. But the way that she's behaving, apparently she's the only person going through it. As for Pat, yes, we know it's an act of charity, but bringing a very sick person into your house without so much as a buy your leave, probably not a very good thing to do. We've got Adam, the paranoid android. We've got Saint Shula still whiffling on and, and denying and behaving utterly reprehensibly uh, in view of how she is actually going about her marriage breakup. And who else? Fallon, complaining. Why? She has a career. She has a, a, a loving partner. She has a wonderful home. What is the problem? I don't understand it. I really don't. And it all feels like these problems are just being created so that people can have conflict and so that there can be something to bloody moan about. This isn't what I consider to be entertaining. It's not something I want to be entering my earbuds every time I switch on my radio. So, yeah, enough of that. We need to get Clary to check everyone and say, just bloody well, sort yourself out. I am liking Jazz's boot camp relay counselling, though. That is very good and very positive. Anyway, hopefully we'll all, we will all still be alive to listen to this podcast. And um, hope everyone's well. I'll speak to you again soon. Cheers now. Bye. Mm. I couldn't disagree more with Bly Spirit here. That, of course, you need to um, manufacture, but do it subtly, conf uh, you know, instances so you can have uh, conflict or at least different points of view from characters. That's the, the heart of drama, surely. But other than that, I'll, I'll, I'll bow out of this one. Over to you, Freeman. Um, no, I agree. It's It's all a bit bleak. At the minute, and the um, the lighter bits, which I presume harassment's um, potential proposal was intended originally to be, <laughs> to be um, uh, sort of uh, light and a bit more fluffy, uh, kind of immediately turned into some sort of Russian tragedy, didn't it? <laughs> so everything keeps going a bit cherry orchard. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can. Um, we need the flower and produce show for crying out loud. Don't worry. <gasps> Spring Single wicket, yeah. The spring is coming. We have got cricket. We have got the flower and produce show. We have got the summer bloody fate. Uh, we have got um, um, somebody going on an unwise holiday. That's always good. Uh, we've got <laughs> harvest. Uh, yes, there's there's things coming. I mean, you just wished away the summer if you're talking about the harvest already. No, I know, but it it, it is um, uh, just kind of um we just we just need lifting up a little bit it's all a bit you know i feel like at the moment when i walk in the dog through the woods i'm wading through knee-high mud wading loose the very yeah. fact that we have potentially new life coming into the village yeah. vis-a-vis uh you know lexi lexi's uh womb rent rent an egg and adam's sperm Right. The very fact that that's not lifting us up tells you how turgid that storyline actually is. 
because that yeah. actually should be something of wonder and optimism. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's not. So, yeah, told you it was a crap storyline. Anyway. Yes, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about Catherine, posh French surname person, next? Yes, go on then. Hi, Dumpty Dum. Catherine in Strawberry Hill here uh, with a couple of predictions for the weeks, months, maybe years ahead. I think Ellis is now some kind of sleeper that they could use to come back into the future at some point to challenge Freddie on his past. Might it be 12 months, 24 months, 5 years, 10 years, 40 years? Who knows? Um, I think we might have a theme of men needing support. We've got Mm -hmm. William, whose partner's died, Alistair, whose partner's left, Brian, whose business is in ruin. I don't know. I hope not. But could this be a potential male suicide story? Um, As you may know, if you've seen the campaign against living miserably, it's Project 84. 84 men in the UK take their own lives every week. So I just wonder if this might be a storyline about the importance of men being able to talk about issues and support one another, which is absolutely vital. So I'm just wondering there if that might be a theme. I I hope we don't go down that route, but possibly. And finally, Olwyn. No, you cannot, as a charity volunteer, pitch up somewhere and then just invite somebody home with you. There must be rules against that. (laughs) She's definitely got some sort of infection I don't know. Is there a rise and a return of TB in parts of the country? Have I heard that right? So, yeah, something definitely dodgy going on there. Okay, all from me for now, and happy days one and all. Bye. Bye. Mm. Yes, there is a rise in TB in parts of the country, but it's generally in um, inner cities um, where people sort of live in closer proximity than in the in the country. It's still quite rare in the in the countryside and in the provinces. That in some parts of the country they're trying to um stop they're introducing um rules about stopping people spitting on the pavements because they say that's one of the ways it's being passed, apparently. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um male yeah, mental it's... health. Yeah. I really, really hope we're not doing that. I mean, we've done, we've, we've had, we had Greg, um, uh, who committed suicide and, um, you know, Rob clearly had enormous mental health issues. Um, and I don't know, I don't think we really need that as well, do we? But I hope it's not going to be Will. Um, is it male mental health week coming up soon? No, but it's what she said. It's that it's the the suicide, the male suicide things. Um, there, oh, there's a no, big campaign well, at the moment. Well, and I remember many moons ago uh, talking about this and that the the numbers of men that kill themselves. It, it is this to say it's a silent epidemic sounds somewhat kind of like glib and a little bit trite because it's such an, an overused phrase, but. Um, the one, uh, no, the the one, the 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 Alistair storyline is good. That um, though Jazza, you know, Jazza has put you know his arms around him in a very Jazza fashion, as he and says, you know, you just get back on the horse, and yeah. you know, go, there's a few, there's a few lassies on, on the milk crown type of thing, you know, or whatever it was he said. <laughs> <laughs> and and then if you look at Will as well. He does have the embrace of his family, even his his brother. 
you know so yeah. you're looking at two men who are going through mental anguish who are very much in, in the bosom of of you know of other people who are, actually are there for them so you know hopefully um that won't be uh, an outcome for this storyline no i really hope not uh we we went we went through the mangle enough last year i can't i can't do it again uh-uh. Uh, I think we go to uh, New York. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Robert, Melia Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Now, we've asked Angus to step up his nighttime guard dog duties since we've heard that the ghost of Nick has been haunting the Grundy. First, the residents <laughs> of Ambridge, and now next, she's going across the pond. Watch out, New York Nigel and Royfield. Speaking of the Grundies, I must admit I have my usual ambivalent feelings about Emma. I empathize with her frustration of having to do so much of the parenting and household chores, but I do think she's quick to blame everything on Nick's offspring. And why, oh why, when she has two jobs, is she still doing all of this in a vacuum? Has she been guilted into an unusual state of passivity? Wouldn't Emma be more demanding of the Grundy men and of Clary? Please discuss. And you just know she's going to find out about Nick and Will's misdeeds. How is she going to react then? Speaking of Matt Flack, there's one thing I don't get. Well, there's a lot of things I don't get. No matter what the situation was, I don't believe that Nick was the kind of person who would have left the scene of an accident and a badly injured person. Also, very importantly, Matt had wandered in a drunken state from the bull to the road, so the site of the accident could not have been very far away from the pub and potential help, right? I know it's water under the bridge, and I accept that Nick did the deed, but I think the circumstances were poorly constructed by the scriptwriters. That's my last word on Matt's flat. And it's my last word of the day. Well, almost. Remember, beware of Nick's ghost coming to a street near you. Talk to you all soon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Surely the whole point of Emma and the situation that she finds finds herself in for us as the listener is that you can actually see it from both sides. She She is doing a lot of the parenting for all of the children there but a massive tragedy is beholden the whole family so on the one hand she's feeling like you know i have you know this glitter all over the clothes and the kids just aren't being respectful and aren't being careful etc etc but you know what these are extraordinary circumstances and that's the reason why everyone's thrown together because somebody's just tragically died so and that's the the great bit of the writing because you feel a certain amount of sympathy for her then you say but you stop being so selfish you old cow you know the man's just lost his wife and that's that's the reason why it's it's well 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 written i think and and i think it is very well written as well when it's if you're, you can have tremendous sympathy for people, but until the situation starts to have an impact on your own children, that's when your sympathy, you know, it's a real, real conflict that is because you would mm. protect your own children. You know, there's a sort of the tiger um, and you would protect your own, your own children. And then when you see them being, cause what he did, what he, what Jake said to, um, uh, little Kira was really, really horrible and really scary. And it's mm. the kind of thing that children have to have therapy for later on. You know, it's it was really not nice. And I could completely identify with her longing to 
give him a good shouting at and, you know, say, get out, you, you know, you don't do that. There's no, and then having to rein that in so hard because she's aware of the circumstances. And you think, at what point does this end? At what point am I allowed to treat them just like normal children? At what mm. point do, does this sort of, this magical protection sort of wear off? And when do they, when do they have to then take? But I mean, I think children have I, I to... Te- I, I tell you what, Luce... The magical protection card uh, ends when the father doesn't take them every day to the graves- graveyard. Yeah. You know, it's like, Jesus. I know. Yeah. That's just weird. Because mm. then they'll, they'll, they'll then start to feel guilty when they don't want to go. He'll get angry with them. You know. Well, Clary's yeah. trying to head that one up at the part at yeah. the parts already, isn't she? You know, she she can see that coming. And also the fact that it's just, it's maudlin, you know, yeah. and, and she said, last week there are other ways of letting them remember and honor their mother than taking them to the grave you know on a on a daily basis or you know how how often he's going yeah yeah Mm. what he needs to do is set up some sort of charity or something in aid of nick like the nick Nick grundy sunday school or something and then everyone can get on with that charity yeah and then he'll, and then he'll feel like um uh you know that something's being done and she's not being forgotten but he won't need to sort of haunt the grave himself oh yeah. it's very sad it is very sad anyway let's pass on will grundy and have a bit my of my friend actually love. lost oh all right my my friend lost his father his father died mm. when he was 17 and um his father died and his mother for a year um, asked him to sleep in her room. What? She was too frightened to sleep by herself. Wow. Because she kept waking up and imagining that the husband was still there. And that caused such trauma to him. I mean, a 17-year-old boy having to sleep in the same room as his mum for a year. Gosh. You know, that is really, really hard. And I think it's people because they're you know it is extreme because it is extreme it like you said it's an extreme situation but I just remember that and I remember how long it took him to get over it and the guilt then when he said I can't do this anymore and then she cried and said I shouldn't have asked you and blah 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 blah. you know but just for him not to have his own space to grieve because he had to keep supporting her through hers you know it's really difficult and uh, mm. you know it, it, this how you I think, but it's really difficult because you're expecting people who are in an extremely vulnerable state as adults to still be good parents, and it's that's really really tough. I think. No, because that, to be that, a good parent, you need to be you know you need to be you need to be always conscious of your adult status, and when when you feel lost and you don't feel like an adult, then I think that's really hard. You want someone when, to look after you. When my mum. And my grandmother died. Like my mother has, uh, goodness, six siblings, six, seven. And, um, and my mother is the second eldest. When grandma died, it had a profound effect on my mother. And she had six months off work. And it came a point when other siblings and family members were saying, but she didn't love 
mom, Gran, more than us? Why has it affected her mm. so so much? And it is that thing about grief that there yeah. is there is no definitive end to it. No, you know you can't just say somebody snap out of it, can you? Yeah, no. Which is you know why it's so delicate the line the path that clary has to tread with will you know uh, we all react to loss in in very different ways and as i said my my mom had was surrounded by siblings who'd lost their mother as well but my my mother couldn't work for for six months Mm. and it it flummoxed other people you know you go here's a month here's two here's three here's four after month four, people's patients were just wearing yeah. thin and people were yeah. scratching their heads, you know. Yeah. But it's grief, you know. It just, mm. it, it attract, you know, it um, plays with us in, in completely nutty different ways. Yeah. Mm. Glyn Fuller love now, shall we? Yes. All right, then. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. Uh, Wednesday evening, so a relatively early call. Um, but plenty this week already to get our teeth into, I think, in the archers. Um, I'm afraid I've gone off Olwyn already. Um, <laughs> she suggested throwing books into the bin, which, in my view, is one step removed from suggesting burning books, Absolutely. which uh, is highly autocratic. And anyone who has um, seen my house will know that I can never get rid of books in any in any any way. So she is definitely um, uh, not a um, not a good one as far as I'm concerned. On to um, matters of the heart, and let's start with Jazza and Emma, and they clearly need to set up a marriage guidance council, marriage guidance counselling practice in Ambridge. Um, called something like Get Over Yourselves, with Emma dispensing advice such as, you've got a nice house, you've got a nice job, what's your problem? And Jazza dispensing advice along the lines of, if it's all too much, just come out with me and I'll find you somebody else. Um, one way or other, all marriage guidance or all marriage problems solved and uh, just what Ambridge needs, I think. And still on Matters of the Heart and actually still on Shula and Alistair, um, Shula, yeah, it's probably your right to say, I don't love you anymore, I want this marriage to end, but it's not your right to go around and telling everybody it's a mutual decision. Uh, nope. That's that's very, very naughty, and it does look at this stage in the week that that might come back and bite her, so let's see. Thanks to all who are involved in producing this wonderful podcast and I'm looking at to see if I can make it on May the 14th. I'm looking forward to it if I can. Goodbye. Yay. <coughs> he is coming. He's bought a ticket. Yay. Excellent. Um, Glyn, you are so nice. You are the only person in the world who contemplated ever being on Olwyn, never mind having gone off her, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else hated her on, on sight, on first hearing. Um but you've considered it and now decided you hate her. Yes, no, she is a wrong one. I agree. Definitely anyone that can say that about books. She's just so bossy and ungrateful, I think. Absolutely. She's got such a sense of entitlement and, yeah. uh, you know, a whole load of grievances against, uh, you know, the whole of humanity. And that, I'm not going to take antibiotics. Because, 
the whole world takes antibiotics. The woman's the woman sounds like the end bed in the TB ward. I mean, if anyone needs antibiotics, <laughs> she is the woman. It's not like she's got a touch of athlete's foot, is it? For crying out loud. No, she. But it, hopefully, um, <laughs> well, there's no hopefully about it. What will happen, though, as sure as eggs is eggs, is uh, we'll we'll have a certain amount of sympathy for her. There'll be something that we realise has happened in her in her past, and we'll go, "Oh, that's the reason why she's so loathsome and whatever." And and then we'll check ourselves and go, well, "What does it say about us?" Because we we all thought she was horrible to start off with. Do you know yeah, what that's, I think? That's, what's that? Can I tell you what I think? Why you I whispering? think we'll dis- because whether I, you I mean- whisper or whether you shout, right? All the you know the thirty thousand podcast listeners will still hear you, Lucy. There's no really. But I do oh, you- take it seriously and remember this in case I'm oh, massively okay. wrong. But right, I think okay. we might find out that Alwyn was a victim of coercive control, and that she will have a heart to heart with Helen, and say I was in the same position. Hmm. That's what I think. Hi there to the Dumpty Dum team and everyone. It's New York Nigel here with a wild reflection on Alistair. He had an addiction to gambling. And I can say that this is one vice that I don't actually have. So I'm speaking from ignorance here. Most vices I know lead to people being fragile, interesting, vulnerable, appreciative of people who accept them given their faults. And as a vicar, I'd be out of business if people weren't flawed. So why didn't Alistair's gambling make him a a good and risky lover? Why couldn't he play for risks in his marriage? (laughs) Shula used his flaws to manipulate him. She never hugged him in the dark, never went all unconditional on him. So Shula, she needs danger. She needs a good rogering. She's like Kenton, a twin. She's just as juvenile, just as undeveloped as him. But her bourgeois religion won't let her admit what she really wants. Her image of herself is divorced from reality. At least Caroline represented for her a woman who was posh and authentic. And it was the last place Shula was honest. She can't talk about the end of a marriage with anyone because she thinks it came to an end because she has sinful desires. Now, Alwyn, is she Welsh? I hate (laughs) what predictions, mostly because after so many decades of listening to the Archers, I've never once been right, apart from things like Tom and Kirsty's marriage falling through because it was obvious. Pat fell from space, essentially. We know nothing about her parents, her siblings, cousins, anything. We know more about Jazz's family than we know about Pat's family. All we know is that she's from Wales. So given the Welsh name, could this Alwyn be one of Pat Archer's mysterious family? Is she Helen's aunt? Does Pat even know? She might as well have been hatched from an impersonal egg. Mm-hmm. That's about it from me. Thanks a lot. And speak again soon. Bye. Hi. I love the way you just segues to now. Is Alwyn Welsh? Um, <laughs> I want to know what all of your other vices are, Nigel. Having told us that gambling is the only one you don't have, I'm now running through all the others you <laughs> might possibly have. Um, Did he say he didn't have or says he doesn't really know much about? No, he said it, gambling was the only one he didn't have, so he didn't know anything about it. Oh crumbs! Or did he hadn't experienced or something. What are your what What are your vices of choice? <coughs> Coughing, like Alwyn. Um, she is not related to to Pat. That's daft. Lucy, no. what are your yes. vices? Um, buying too many books that I can't possibly oh, come read. Come on, 
that humble brag advice. It's like I just I just like literature and like feeding my brain and <laughs> that's oh, a so come on. Drag. That wasn't yeah. um my vices. Oh, online shopping. Really? Yeah. 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 Oh. When I get bored, sometimes the doorbell rings and there's a man standing there with a big John Lewis box and I think, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> no recollection of ever having ordered it. So I spend a lot of time at the post office sending things back because either they don't fit, I don't like them, or they were just wildly inappropriate in the first place. But they looked like a good... Something about shopping online makes me feel that it's not real money. So it doesn't really count. Uh, I can't remember what else Nigel said. Um, What's she else? Oh, and Shula being vile. Yes, she is really. But she's being vile because she's a coward, not because she's nasty, I think. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the things that made England. I'm Roy Phil Brown, and with me I have David Crowther of the History of England. It was the best of time. It was the worst. She was the people's princess. We shall fight on the beaches. Oh, wait, man. These are the things that made England. We shall fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I body, but of a weak and evil woman. These are the things that made England. And the king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. It gives wind in Churchill sails to say we can continue to fight on. Well, there cannot be many more famous events in English history than 1066. It hurts, <laughs> even now. Because 1066 is important. Yeah. But there's aspects of modern British culture which I think get overlooked. So I'm proposing that this week we do scar. For me, the English flag has in the past certainly become associated with factionalism and, well, hideous racist and far-right views. And it's turned into a thing of disunity and almost xenophobia. The idea of this show is to decide on what things that make England... As she is, the country that, despite it all, we feel lucky to be part of. Every week, one of us, that's David and I, will pitch an idea to the other to be designated as one of the things that makes England distinctive. 
Go and join our shiny new Facebook site where once a month we will post a poll where, should you so desire, you can make your own very suggestions for applications to the I Made England Award. So, without more ado, let's do it. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. She was the people's princess. We shall fight on the beaches. Oh, hey, man, these are the things that made England. We shall fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and feeble woman. These are the things that made England. And a king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio, and they want to revolutionise the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design-orientated. Studio bridge that gap while emphasising sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com, which is spelled S-U-D-I-O Sweden.com, and simply put in the code DTD when purchasing a pair of headphones. Hi, this is Lucy, and you're listening to Walkie Talkie. Every day, I walk my dog in and around Epping Forest. And there's a regular group of dog walkers that uh, catch up with each other. And the group of us, you know, we're from all kinds of different backgrounds. The one thing we have in common is that we all have dogs, obviously. And I sort of came up with the idea of recording these conversations because... There's something quite confessional about walking side by side with somebody. There's no eye contact. You can just plod along. You know the names of their dog. You quite often don't know their name. You definitely don't know their surname. And uh, it's just a very odd little hour out of the day. And you can get some really startling insights into people's lives because they know that you don't have a relationship with them outside of the dog. And also if things get a bit, you know emotional or a bit too close you can distract yourself with whatever the dog's doing or you get quite close to people in a remote way it's an intriguing sort of mixture with people's permission obviously I started recording some of the conversations and it sort of grew and now people ask if they can come on the walk even though they don't have a dog because I think they just like the space to talk so this is walkie talkie I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you in the forest. You know what comes next? Social. Yeah. Good day, everyone. You know what I realised this week? I never check what is off topic on our forum. I always go straight to the Archers thread, which says a lot about us, what sad little life I lead. I don't ever go to the other subjects. But it's actually quite interesting. Uh, there's uh, people talking about meetups, uh, discussions about other series such as The Crown and The Queen, uh, the Walkie Talkie podcast, which, of course, is fabulous. Uh, so there's lots to talk about on there. So if you don't just want to talk about The Archers, do go to the forum and uh, go off topic, as it's called. What a brilliant title. Well done, Roif. And we also had a few new threads on the forum. Alice, what has she done? Started by the Yorkshire Lass. Daniel Cohen asks, where were you when? And Miss Mid-City is pleading for the right to be heard. So if you would like to join in those threads and earlier threads, please do. 
On the Archers, uh, sorry, on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page, I just posed the question about the Elms and whether it has a volunteer code of contract because I would suggest that Pat's behaviour this week would certainly have breached the code of conduct for a volunteer organisation in Australia. And uh, most of you agree that uh, something very odd going there and it's just um, the editors, uh, the the script writers maybe, um, having a bit of poetic licence, but I did think it was a bit odd. Uh, We then talked about the storyline highlighting admirably the repercussions of any major event in a family because Emma and her needs are being marginalised and if she has a meltdown, we don't think it's going to be pretty. Um, Emma Wilson-Morris said, I'm Team Clary here. Emma needed to hear that. It's the holidays after all and there are three children and a husband now without a mummy or a wife. Yes, she's working hard, but her all about me mantra isn't justified at this moment. Once they go back to school, routine and life will get easier and they will need to either move out or sort something out long term. Uh, Marie Harris said they should move into Wills for a while or is it too soon? Liz Villalobos suggested when Emma has a meltdown. And Pam Crookshank said she's in an impossible situation. Perhaps becoming an official childminder and being paid by William to look after the kids would make the situation more tolerable for her. A bit of dignity amongst the hard, currently unpaid and thankless work. And yes, the more I think about it, the more I think how difficult it is for Emma because she's still coping with the fact that she doesn't believe she and Nick left on good terms. She's trying to keep the peace at home. The children are playing up. And whilst we all understand all of those different facets, I still think it's hard for her. And I'm not even an Emma fan. Uh, We also wondered what Brian was up to with Rory, and you clever listeners came up with some very good suggestions. Kate Lyle said the papers that Brian was looking for were the rules of the proxy. He wanted to find out whether Rory could represent himself and how to ditch Ruth. Never thought of that, Kate. You're so smart. Um, Amanda Q said Brian is superb at the moment, pulling out all the stops on the issues of high dudgeon, morality, loyalty, wounded pride, and injured party it's his shamelessness that makes him so endearing and glenn fuller love said he is planning something that will advantage rory ahead of adam and the embryo will cause a massive rift with jenny lead to divorce and him leading ambridge oh my goodness um and we also had a very big discussion at the end of the week and i'm going to probably once again disagree with roy on this but i did not understand why someone other than Alistair or Shula, would take it upon themselves to tell Dan about the separation. Now, I'm going to be clear here and just say that I believe your information is your information and you choose who you share it with. It's not up to anybody else. And, yes, that's why Susan drives me crazy because she's a gossip. But (laughs) I thought I'd put this out to the Brains Trust to see what we come up with. Now, Fiona Shabon Powell said, I think it was wrong of Jim. But on the other hand, as a grandparent, I would be so worried that the entire bloody village knows and Daniel is in the dark. I'd be tempted to let my grandson in on it rather than have him find out through text, phone call or some other accidental way. After all, he's related to half the village. So I understand Jim's position. Shula has handled this so very badly. I'm not normally a Shula hater, but she's hopeless at dealing with people. Uh, she then goes on to tell a story of her own, which is really interesting. And That's if you'd like true. to uh, see that for yourself, then please jump on to the Facebook page. Uh, Jihan Dua said, because she's insensitive, why didn't she wait till he came home instead of telling the whole village? I don't know that she did tell the whole village. 
Laura Joe Elzinger said it could have been anyone who assumed that he already knew. I have to say I would have expected him to know before me if I was most anyone else in the village. True, but I think that this has got out very, very gradually and not managed as they might have liked it to be managed. Now, someone in here pointed out that uh, Shula's not being very fair, and I can't remember who it is now, but she's not being very fair because uh, Alistair was hearing that it was by mutual consent and that, that he hadn't agreed to it, so that wasn't fair. But I would say that perhaps Shula's trying not to lay blame on either side and just saying, yep, we both agreed to it, because otherwise there's going to be that blame game that people seem to enjoy so much. So a really, really robust thread. Please get involved because that was fantastic. And most of you disagreed with me, so that's okay too. Um, I, I mean, I like to know uh, what, what the other uh, points of view are, so that's why we're there. So please, uh, forum, Facebook page, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Somebody will be there to have a chat with you. See you soon. Huru. Ooh, Huru, back to you. Uh, let's have some tweets then, Freeman. Hinge Zandal, who said... I have to say, let's get married so one of us doesn't get kicked out of A&E if the other one's in a car accident. Isn't the most romantic proposal I've ever heard? Um, Dave Blake said about Alwyn, what harm could she possibly do? Well, Alwyn is harmless up to a point, but the three zillion deadly bacteria in her respiratory tract are another matter altogether. <laughs> Royce? Hmm? Oh, you're cutting out again. Um, Steve oh, Brooks. Steve Brooks said, um, it was a mutual decision. Baby Jesus hates liars, Shula. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And good old Shambridge, lovely Harriet herself, was uh, talking about after the um, Freddie and um, Ellis uh, drug scene, said, ooh, it's not exactly the wire, is it? (laughs) 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 And Cat Brown uh, lovely Cat Brown of the Bake Off podcast said, Shula is so bloody ghastly. Well done, Alistair. It must be like arguing with a breadboard. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That is El Tweetos. Ooh, smashing. Right. So uh, <laughs> it, was let, today, wasn't it? it was, it was very long. It was very long. And I, I fear that I contributed to the length of this one. Uh, so, um, re- re- very sorry, everybody. If you wanted a shorten, uh, yeah, Mr. Brown had to come and, and lengthen things. I do apologise. Uh, but let's just uh, start saying goodbye. Dumdydum.com, go there. It's got tractor. It's got all manner of goodies. It's got the Dumdy Dog. Well, we haven't told Dumb- people the exciting news. Well, no, that I'll, I'll leave that for you. Don't interrupt. Okay. So it's got Dumdy Mogs uh, and, and all sorts. So if you've got like a cat... And uh, it likes to uh, curl up on your lap whilst you're listening to the archers or even Dumpty Dum. Why don't you take a picture of your moggy and, and, and send it in? You can tweet it in and uh, we'll, we'll, you will, it will find its way onto dumptydum.com. So that that's one of the many reasons why you should go onto dumptydum.com. Now, uh, Map Corner, just very quickly, folks. Uh, there's a stunning, stunning, stunning uh, map which was uh, sent to me, which is more of a, like a a beautiful thing to behold in terms of just even tweetage. So it's just like a wonderful tweet. So this was map was this map was sent in by Miriam and she says, Royfield, this is why maps are great. And this is a long thread. It's not too long, but long enough, 
where somebody who is a, a, a fan of ordnance survey maps just looking at this map and i think it's down in it's down in the north downs that was it and they've discovered that there was this church in a wood and they went you can't have a church in a wood then this church there isn't even a road to this church so they went there lucy and it's just the most beautiful set of haunting pictures which they've taken on their phone of them walking through this wood to discover this old church, which does exist. The church is that far off the grid that it doesn't even have electricity supply. It's only powered by gas lamps. Um, It's just beautiful. And this person obviously has a sense of not only can they just take great photographs and a sense of discovery, but also a great way of writing. So it's a whole series of uh, tweets, this great thread, Go on to uh, my Twitter timeline, do hashtag Map Corner, and you'll see the discovery of this beautiful old church in this wood in the middle of nowhere, completely off the grid, which is still actually used today. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful um, kind of like set of tweets. So thank you for that, Miriam. So I'm not going to go through the other maps. We'll do those uh, another time. But please continue to send in. Uh, to me uh, your wonderful maps remember it's hashtag map corner so uh, I can just uh, find them all when I go through uh, whacking them on the show so that'd be awesome Um, remember to get in contact with us you can send us a voice message via speakpipe uh, on our website or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a telephonic message now Lucy I believe you've got some news I have, before my voice goes completely. Um, Next week, uh, lovely Angela Barnes is on Radio 4, not next week, this is in May, but it's recording next week. Lovely Angela Barnes, who sometimes um, helps us out on the show, is doing a podcast program called Podcast Hour on Radio 4 Extra. And she Mm -hmm. has suggested us as her favourite podcast. And I am going on to talk to Angela on Radio 4 Extra and it will be broadcast at some point in May. So we'll Look tell you when you. Awesome. <coughs> Your, that chest of yours needs some bix, doesn't it? It does, really. Mm, yes. A good rub. Um, <laughs> on the socials, you can find me, Royfield, <laughs> and the lovely Luce and, and her chest. Uh, at dum-de-dum, Lucy can also be found at... Lucy V. Freeman. And I can be found at Royfield. And then, of course, there is Facebook. And you can also uh, type in uh, Dumbly Dump and find us there. And I think that's just about it. Isn't it, okay. Lucy? All right. Yes. Oh, and by the way, folks, snooze you lose. Don't say that you weren't warned about Dumbly Dum Live in London. Tickets are sold out. So there you go. Snooze you lose if you, if you haven't got a ticket already. But we will try and put on another one again soon. Yeah. All right. There you go. Ah. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 